Hello and welcome to another episode of the 905 podcast and this Thursday's episode of the 905 Roundup. My name is Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. And well, um, we're looking, <laughs> guess what, we're looking at local democracy, attacks on local democracy, um, and perhaps the first evidence of the municipalities maybe, possibly, possibly, maybe trying to fight back a little bit i mean I, I i hope so i hope so but yeah the the amo the association of municipalities of ontario has indicated that they're not happy anyway joel you take it away with, with what's going on here yeah so you know something we've all we've been talking about for a while is that you know it seems the, the municipality to where the opposite true opposition to doug ford is going to be uh formed i guess uh, you know due to lack of actual opposition at queen's park and lo and behold, apparently it might come down to this Bill 23, which is the uh, uh, More Homes Built Faster Act, uh, which, long story short, is going to char- carve up big chunks of the green belt uh, to hand over to developers uh, uh, and whatnot. AMO is not happy about this, apparently. Uh, on November 16th, they issued a letter to Lori Scott, MPP of Halbert and Corth Lakes Brock, who's the chair. Uh, and Standing Committee on Heritage, Infrastructure, and Cultural Policy, uh, uh, basically critiquing, this letter is critiquing um, the bill, stating that they, their analysis says that the, the bill would indicate the transfer of up to $1 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars a year in costs from private sector developers to property taxpayers without any likelihood of improved housing affordability. Um, basically what they're saying is uh, in the bill, there's a big proposed slashing of development fees um, to to make the the overhead costs of building this what these 1.5 million homes that they that need to be built to make it easier for developers to do that with uh, without the costs. The problem with that is those development fees are what go into municipalities being able to to look after the sewers and the hydro lines and the water and, and piping in this in the in you know the uh road maintenance and all that stuff that is vital for any neighborhood any new neighborhood um the city the, the municipality has to take that on once the last home is sold they they have to take that on and that comes with surprise surprise a price tag um that the, the the development fees that are attached traditionally are attached with new bills. That's what this goes into. It goes to the municipality and they're able to, you know, budget out uh, to start looking after this stuff. Um, that's gone. And municipalities rightfully so are concerned, well, how are we going to pay for this? And that might mean, not might, it's going to have to mean our property taxes would have to go up. But I, I don't really see any fiscal way that that wouldn't be able to be be done why well, the taxes um, go up or services get cut well that's the that's the thing it's it's neither it's neither or like municipalities don't have any other source of revenue so my depending on what council is in power you're either going to get you know your your after school programs or your your rec hockey or whatever it is you got that might get cut libraries might get cut or you're going to see your property taxes go up one or the other the other point that they that they make and it's a valid one incredibly valid one uh is a lot of this land that is being proposed and part of the, when they slashed the, the powers of conservation authorities, the concern is some of this housing might be on 
ecologically sensitive land, uh, uh, basically wetlands, watershed lands, lands that traditionally we, the conservation authorities would say, no, don't build there because there's a risk of flooding. If, if developers are allowed to build a subdivisions on these lands and walk away years down the road, there might be a major storm. There might be major flooding, which is going to cause unknown millions of dollars of damage probably to some, some homes or some neighborhoods. Um, who's going to be left with a bill to clean that up? Chances are it's going to be the municipalities. Um, the municipalities are looking at it and saying, we don't want to do that. We, like, we're, we don't want to have to clean up the mess of this when it's so predictable right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the AMO is not traditionally a uh, strongly outspoken organization. And, and I, I mean, the, the, you know, they're putting all this in fairly polite terms. Uh, and there's another aspect to this we'll come on to in a second. But they, they have, on a pre- preliminary analysis, analyzed the cost to Ontario's 29 largest municipalities as being as much as $1 billion annually, annually, as every single year, uh, that those cities will have to now find that currently developers uh, find out of the cost of, of building places uh, between 2023 and 2031. Um, you know, that, that, now, development costs, it was a myth for a long time that, that you know, cities were kind of engaged in this kind of Ponzi scheme by which um, they encouraged building because that include, that increases your tax base, which means that the city has more money, which pays for, it was kind of this thing like, you know, as long as the cities keep on expanding, they can keep taxes down. Now there's, there's an element of truth to that. That is kind of the way cities thought. It's like, keep on building. Um, that's how we, we, we basically pay for today's taxes by, by, by the development charges. Um, however, despite all that, the, the, the evidence has been over the last few years that, that, that particularly sprawl development does not cover, is not, does, already doesn't cover the costs to the city of those new de- developments. Um, and now what the province has done is to make those even more massively one-sided. Again, this is, it, to use the language of conservatives, this is a massive handout to developers it is a subsidy um and you know this is the scandal of what, what's going on here that the very things that the conservatives claim to hate that the pcs claim to hate which is you know just uh, government subsidizing uh people throwing money at things you know not letting business stand on its own two feet all these things is, 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 is the exact opposite of what they're actually doing what they're actually doing is giving money to the people who Surprise, surprise, are also their biggest donors. And, you know, we, we, you've said it a million times. It's, everybody knows it, but you just have to keep on saying it. Um, the, the Overwhelmingly, the, the, the bulk of, of major donors to the, to the PC Party of Ontario are, develop, are developers and developer-associated uh, businesses. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a shocking state of affairs. The other aspect we need to mention about this is that you know part of the reason for this letter was shared with MPPs and shared with the media, which is I believe probably somewhat unusual. It's because the AMO was basically not even allowed to turn up 
at the um, at the committee stage of of Bill Twenty Three to present their thoughts. Now, again, this is normal. This is parliamentary procedure. This is how legislatures and parliaments work. You introduce a bill, you have a committee stage, the MPPs talk about it in committee, you have people present evidence, present opinions. You, uh, On the basis of those opinions, you modify and you adjust the legislation to, to hopefully make it better, to deal with any weaknesses in the legislation, and then you end up with a better act uh, when it's finally passed. That's the theory. In practice, that is not how legislature works in Ontario. Um, bills are increasingly just rammed through in a matter of days um, on the nod from the MPPs, uh, and they're not even going to bother to talk to an organization as big and as with as much political clout in terms of who it represents as the AMO. It's like, no, no, we're not going to talk to you, get stuffed. So this is what uh, we're left with is the AMO having to kind of get its message out um, uh, by other means, because the the the, the, the democratic theories of, how, of what, what's supposed to go on, what's supposed to happen uh, in our system of democracy is just not happening anymore. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry to rant again. Uh, well, I'm trying, trying not to sound like a constant moaning, ranting uh, It's a little hard, it's a little hard um, with this government. And we were, yeah. we're, we'll have a, like that, this attitude isn't unique in the province, I'm afraid. You know, the fact, I, I find it interesting, though, that the, you know, this is a, AMO. This is, and it's not like one or two off municipalities or, or one or two mayors causing a stink. AMO, this is an official letter from the president of AMO, Colin Best, who is trying to, who's using his his leverage to, or, or political leverage to influence this change. They don't, they don't do this lately. This isn't something that you just kind of wake up on a Friday and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to send a letter into the committee. The fact that they're putting out a billion dollars a year that municipalities have to find somehow to offset the cost of these subdivisions that quite frankly, nobody's asked for. I think that's another point that we should highlight is like, I've, if you remember back in Doug Ford's first term, he tried to sneak this through the first time by saying, well, they'll allow municipalities to build into the green belt if they request. So all the municipalities had to do was just, you know, go to the province and say, Hey, can I build in the, in the green belt? And the province said, well, we'll, we'll, we'll consider it. And every municipality said, no, we don't want to. We don't want to go into the green belt. We don't want to intensify. We want to, or there's plenty of land within our existing boundaries for us to, to, to fill our, our needs. We don't want that permission. We're not going to ask for it. So like literally we have evidence. Municipalities aren't asking to go into the green belt. The only ones who are asking to go into the green belt are the developers. Um, the fact that we have municipalities taking in a united front saying, no, we don't want this. It's going to be costly to us. It's going to be just passing on the bill to us 10, 20, maybe 30 years down the road, but we know it'll come. The fact that this government can't sit down and contemplate that there's no consultation with them. There's no, there's no thought behind it other than we just need to ram it through consequences be damned because chances are they're not going to be around. The the, the PCMPPs aren't going to be around to deal with the consequences uh, uh, in ten or twenty years. They don't believe in the consequences because I mean no, these no. are climate deniers. I mean, you know, they, they you know, the, the, this whole thing is built on, on the on the on the mountain of climate denial of of, of 
economic uh, of of kind of a a perverted kind of free market economics where where actually all the government sees as its job is to is to you know basically throw money throw bungs uh, at the people it wants to vote for it um which you know in in, in other lines of business is called uh, bribes and corruption and you know people go to jail for it but you know not not in our political system today um yeah it's so freaking depressing um yeah i don't know what else to say about it but it's like you know we should in a normal line of work (laughs) the fact that the amo isn't even invited to the legislature Mm -hmm. to to put its side of the argument on on a on a major piece of legislation that would be scandalous enough but that's not even going to make it into the back pages of the media in that current climate. Um, uh, well, you know, with that, well, we'll come on to this later in the episode. You know um, what? Why don't we, why don't we take a break uh, on that? And we'll be back right after this message from our sponsor. All right, folks. And we're back for round two. Uh, roll it, roll it. What, what do we got? Well, we we have the latest announcement in the in the strong mayor system, um, uh, which is which is the genius idea, which, which somehow came from John Tory, but which 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 Doug Ford uh, decided to become a champion of, and um, uh, and the the minister of uh, um, the minister of municipal affairs decided to become a champion of, which is the idea that you know. Um, this whole idea of more than 50% of votes counting in on councils is a bit old school. Let's just say that as long, you know, if it's, a, if it's the mayor's proposal, our, our strong mayor, he only needs 30%. He only needs a third of the votes to win. Um, so if, if, if um, I say he, if they have uh, a third of the votes, they win. Now, once again, this is, you know, well, we should really refuse to call the strong mayor system and we should call the stooge mayor system um, because that's what this will turn mayors into, the stooges mm-hmm. of the province. Um, just as the the planning system currently works on the system that cities can do what they like with planning as long as it's what the province wants. And that's the whole basis for LPAT and how LPAT appeals work. It's, uh, okay, the city made its own decision of its own free will, but is it exactly what the province would have done? No. Okay. Well, that's overturned. This new strong mayor system works on exactly the same logic. You can do exactly as you like. You're completely free to do what you want as long as it's what the province wants. Uh, so these stooge mayors won't have to persuade councillors of the validity of, of their point of view. Uh, they'll just ram it through as long as they've got a third of the councillors behind them, which, you know, in our tiny, you know, in most countries in the world, a council of a decent-sized city might have twenty councillors, something like that. Uh, not, not, not in uh, Canada, not in Ontario. We have, you know, uh, cities of hundred eighty thousand people with with seven councillors who, uh, you know, generally yeah. aren't the sharpest tools in the box. I mean, there are good ones and there are bad ones, but there are a disproportionate number of fucking idiots, frankly. Well, um, but that's the thing, right? Like now we're looking into. I think it's just the fact that it's just stomping on democratic democratic norms that even at a, at a municipal level, you know, it, if a for all this time that we've you know we've been doing this podcast, we, we've known that there's always been uh, uh, 
the, the province has come down and, and just trampled over a decision uh, a municipality has made. For example, you know, re- most recently in Hamilton, you know, uh, the previous council voted to preserve the urban boundary, not expand it to the white into their white belt region, uh, in response to public pressure and, and the grassroots movement. And that's democracy. That that's how it should work. This province basically said, no, screw that. We're going to forget it. That and that's essentially what they're doing. They're institutionalizing that policy right in right in the the in the the mayor and the council's office. So say now I'm not saying just to clarify, I'm not saying that the mayor of Hamilton is uh, is going to do that, but the philosophy from Doug Ford's government is we're going to do that to every every municipal council in the province. That oh, there's a strong there's a there's a vocal minority of people who you know, a developer might've bought off or, or whatever. Well, they, they just get to run the show now. It doesn't matter what we have to say. It doesn't matter your, your opinion. It doesn't matter how you voted. As long as a developer centric uh, policy is passed, that's all that matters. Um, and it's a dangerous thing. Like it, it's, it's, you know, there's our democratic system is supposed to be it's supposed to be antagonistic. We're supposed to have debate. We're supposed to have, uh, uh, you know, ideas going back and forth. You know, it's supposed to be, you know, quote unquote, the free market of ideas. We're supposed to throw out these ideas and make the best argument forth for them. And at the end of the day, we make a decision based on that on that evidence. I know it doesn't always work that way. I'm not naive, in that, but that's how it's supposed to work. This just throws that principle out the out the door, folks. It does not matter. You know, and he, I, we were talking about this before we hit record. If we're if we're going to settle at thirty percent, I question why why stop there, you know why why stop at thirty percent? What what happens if you you can't even find thirty percent to pass a, a motion? What what if you get a few councils who who say nope, we're taking a firm stand, we're not siding with the mayor, we're we're in opposition to this, and that that mayor, whoever he or she may be, cannot find that thirty percent vote on their council for whatever reason. Does does Doug Ford and Steve Clark then go back and say, okay, guess what? It's now ten percent, or you know what? Just the mayor. The mayor has to has to vote. I mean, um, it, it it just yeah, they just don't believe in democracy. Now we spent the first two years of this podcast talking about all the problems with local government, um, which were many and overwhelming problems before two thousand and eighteen, um, uh, and. You know, to an extent, we just saw in the election in Hamilton, like a clear out of the old guard of, of the way that things have been done for the last 20, 30 years or whatever. And it's like, thank God those guys have finally gone. But all those new councillors, I mean, and, and just on a side note, notice when this is happening. This all happened between election day and the inauguration of the new councils. Basically, when there's no one at work in any city hall in Ontario to really kind of uh, kick up much of a fuss about anything. All those new councillors are basically being told, yeah, you got it elected by the people in, in our fantastic Canadian democracy. Uh, screw you, you don't count. Um, and the sad thing is that the, the bad councillors who, who, for whom being a councillor is the best job they ever get, the ones who love being called uh, councillor of this and councillor of that, the ones who... who stick around for decades because there's nothing better they're ever going to do. They're never going to get their ego stroked anywhere else to the same degree that they do at a city hall. They'll stay around just like they always do. The good ones, 
I mean, why the hell would you want to be a counselor under this system? I mean, it's bad enough under the old system. I mean, I ran to be a counselor. I thought it would be very interesting. But I also thought naively that, you know, I, I could be kind of a force for for good. You know, I, I thought I could contribute something. Um, why would I want to be there and just have my votes completely thrown in the garbage? You know, and the votes of the people that I am representing, of the thousands of people who mm-hmm. put a, a vote in a box for me, um, just have that thrown in the garbage because, well, no, we're going to have this system where, where you know, uh, a, a, where, the, where the mayors just get to do whatever the province wants to do, uh, and then they get a free pass to, to get stuff done well, that, quickly. That's, that's ultimately what this is, is that what was the point of the, the recent municipal election? You and I, uh, we, we were... We covered it. We we talked with a, a boatload of candidates of ver, a variety of political stripes and leanings and and philosophies and whatnot, and um, covered the numerous issues that were affecting the municipalities. And the general consensus, you know, okay, the people have vote voted, they've spoken, so be it. We will carry on and we'll see what happens. And basically, this act throws that the entire exercise was like, McDoug, why don't you just come and just say no? We're just going to eliminate elections altogether. Like it's a farce. It's a farce to to impose on the people, and it's this needless game because you made a promise in a back room somewhere with a bunch of rich rich white guys. I'm betting, and they're holding you to account, and the rest of us just have to eat it. You know, it's just we our our democracy doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who we voted for. It doesn't matter. Going forward, if you call your counselor uh, to voice your concern about uh, uh, a development project or or whatever, it it won't matter. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter now. It's just going to matter even less. <laughs> I mean, it's well, it's so. It's definitely not a step in the, local in the direction in, we want. It's, it's in such a, a degree of crisis. It was already in crisis. It's now in cataclysmic disaster zone, uh, where where it it is. A, a a sham of democracy uh, mm-hmm. is what we're going to be left with. I mean, and that's a sham. Um, you know, it, it was at least the case that, you know, basically on development, which is the most important thing the municipalities do is to do with development, those powers had already been taken away. And they were taken away by, by a liberal government, as it happens, but basically under the, the aegis of the um, uh, Places to Grow Act, which was a good act in its intentions, uh, the the powers of municipalities were were very very seriously undermined in a way that I think was wrong, um, but now that is being extended from the Places to Grow Act to everything else, um, and it, it all stems back to our to, to the Canadian Constitution, which has got a massive problem bang slap in the middle. There's got a number of problems with it, you know, notwithstanding clause being another one. But uh, you know, going right back to John A. Macdonald and the and the Fathers of Confederation, uh, creating municipalities as creatures of the province, uh, and we we basically have a weak federal government that can't tell the provinces to do anything. Uh, we have weak municipalities that basically don't even exist uh, other than by the 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 uh, whim of, of of the provinces, and we have the provinces which can do what the bloody hell they like, but don't even have properly formed legislatures. Uh, with, with any kind of proper political system for for of checks and balances over the legislation that they're passing, and we've seen again and again and again, 
major legislation coming to Parliament under this under the Ford government, and, and again to an extent previously under the Liberals too, go through in days. You know, in other places, in other countries, legislation takes weeks, months, years to get through Parliament. And that's the way it should be. It's a pain in the neck when you want something done quickly. I, I fully admit that. Um, but that's how you, you know you have those well, checks and balances. Well, here it's just like you have your nodding donkeys on, okay, on, so on, on the government benches. Just whack it through in a couple of days. Let's move. Let's move on to our, our third, our third point, which is this. Um, long story short, this government hates democracy. Um, it, it it it's got to be clear as day to anyone who pays attention to it. They they hate. The idea of democracy. They hate the idea of they have to go back to the people and build a consensus to move this forward. Like, and I'm not talking about just on, in terms of the municipal file. Um, it is clear that since they were reelected, every action that they have taken has been a sledgehammer to the the norms and practices of democracy. Um, that's like a you know. We have th- this dismantling at the municipal level because that might prove to be contentious, or there might be some resistance or or real, or, or real uh, hang up there. Well, let's just neuter them so that they they can't form any real, real opposition there. Um, and then we say, okay, well now there's the, the issue of union negotiations uh, in the education system. Well, are we going to negotiate with them in good faith and? Maybe we'll have to give something, give give or take a bit. No, we'll use a notwithstanding clause and just take away rights and just hammer this thing through because, well, we don't really want to talk. Like we don't want, we don't really want to negotiate. We don't want to have to have to go back and forth. Um, this is a government that honestly just hates its job. It hates uh, what it, it, it hates having to deal with you the people. It hates having to go back to you and have to build a consensus. Like I said earlier in the podcast, nobody asked to build in the green belt, no municipality, no citizens group, no one, nobody said, Hey, let's start carving up the green belt and start putting down big homes in there. Nobody's asked that no one, except for a small group of developers that Doug Ford met in a back room uh, four or five years ago. That's who was asking for this. And that's who's getting it. Nobody else wanted it, but the rest of our concerns are, are, are there's not, we can't even have a, a, a middle ground. We can't even have, you know, a quid pro quo on this file. We can't say, okay, can, or we'll, well, can we decide which 7,400 acres get carved up? Like that's not even on the table. We don't like, it's a spit in our eye and any democratic system, any democratic norm that we might try to exercise uh, to to voice our concerns or to voice our opposition is being taken away from us under this government. It is an appalling abuse of power by the Doug Ford uh, government. And the fact that the only reason, you know, I, the reason why he got a, he didn't follow through with the notwithstanding clause in the QP union negotiations was because the threat, the threat of a general strike was, was within 24 hours and they don't know how to deal with that. Like they're not, the, they're not the smartest of people. I'll, I'll get, give them that. But that was the no, same and also the union the unions can still pack a punch. Uh, yeah. the unions do uh, know a little bit about organizing and solidarity, and they they still have money and clout. Um, the rest of us, I mean, I mean, I just want to uh, sort of to an extent 
let Doug Ford off the hook for a minute about why this is happening. Um, and it's happening because we don't understand and value our democracy properly. Uh, I mean, Canadians are, tend to be very patriotic about what a great system, you know, what a great country we are and how we're, we're, uh, we've been exempted from some of the problems that other countries have had. And we've kind of sleptwalked into this situation where someone can just come in and destroy a level of government um, uh, because, because of our own damn contempt for it. Uh, but, and the same goes for the environment because, cause, cause, you know, our, our political groups are so divided and so piecemeal um, that, that, you know, I mean, whatever you say about the, the freedom morons, They've shown us how to demonstrate. <laughs> um, now, I'm not, I'm not saying that we, we should all go and blockade whatever, um, but they, being uh, simple people, they've taken a simple solution, which is you know you just take to the streets, and if you make enough, big enough of a stink, um, uh, you get noticed. Um, and, and we're pretty bad at that uh, on the progressive side of the of the equation. Now, I know people are organising marches and protests and that that's great uh but i i feel like we need a lot more and, and i feel like you know we we've we've so let things slide over recent decades that we're um we're starting from a weak position well um, i think and, you're, and you're right on that but the other problem is our i mean it's maybe we're tuning i'm tuning our own horn here but our media has really failed us on this front um, you know, we were looking at, uh, you know, what's, what's the talk of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah, fact we, that, you know, the, the, there's, I know everybody's talking about the QP negotiations, uh, happening and, but we're, I find that, you know, the media gets into the weeds on this so much that you get already, we're now bogged in, in the debate went from, oh, Doug Ford was going to use the notwithstanding clause to take away the rights of a group of people to get his way to uh you know they uh, they got they got a raise do we need to you know let's you know should we go on strike or not and it's like that's not the argument that's not the point i i right now my concern is not the 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 deal there um my concern honestly is the fact that doug ford has shown his true colors and they are they're not good it's not it's like there's no defending this this is a, this is a, a a politician who either through a gross ignorance of how democracy works, which is probably the the result or the the reasoning why, behind this. He, should, he has a gross misunderstanding or gross ignorance of how the system works, that he assumes. Well, I get to be premier. I get to do whatever I want for four years. I get to pass whatever I want for four years. Um consequences be damned and those consequences ladies and gentlemen are us it, it, it's our democracy it's our, our opinions our rights our 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 um our, our 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 democracy and i find it's hypocritical that a like there's there are no there's no uh truck convoy circling queen's park right now demanding um the restoration of democratic rights to municipalities and to union uh, officials that they're, they're not there, but the media sure as heck isn't covering it. They're not, there's no deep analysis into what's going on with Doug Ford. Um, it is a travesty that this is a, this is a major affront to our democratic 
norms and our media, I don't know if our media is equipped to, to properly handle it or cover it. And it's, it's troubling to me. Well, the traditional media isn't, I mean, there's not, uh, yeah, we just, before we came on, we took a quick look at the front page of the, well, yeah, the front page of of the star and what, what, what they're covering on provincial politics. And it's, it's a story about uh, a new, new Democratic MPP, Joel Harden, who's under fire for, for comments that were uh, that were deemed to be anti-Semitic. As I'm not downplaying anti-Semitism for, for a second. Um, I know we're going to get, not even going to touch that story. I don't, you know, that's not the point. The point is that we have this, uh, th- the, by far the biggest stories about individual MPPs, however objectionable their behavior might be, shouldn't drown out um, uh, the massive policy uh, changes that this government is doing, kind of under, with with no proper oversight, with no, um, you know, in a contemptuous and arrogant fashion, um, where, you know, simply the, the concept well, here, of, like, to win a vote, you have to have more than 50%. That's, you know, you know when, when you get rid of that principle, what, what kind of let is left of democracy? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, 50 plus one is kind of like the minimum requirement. Well, but here's, here's the, yeah, I mean, if they want to cover drill hard, that's a, it's important information to know. And it's important that we understand. I'm not saying they shouldn't report that. I'm not well, no, saying but, that. But it's but, but it was just it's but, just kind of emblematic he, of what what gets onto they, the front page. They, they went they went for the sensationalism of it, right? And there is no, and this is chronic uh, of legacy media is that there is no deep analysis of the behavior of this government. Like the, 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 these actions on the the PC government is aren't one offs. They're not. Oh, you know, this time, this time he's choosing this tactic. Like, look at the pattern. This is a government that does not care about public, uh, uh, about the public. It doesn't care about public opinion. It does not care about um, uh, public norms or democratic norms. It is a government that believes that it can rule by divine right because they got elected only with 17% of the vote, mind you. Uh, 17% of the eligible vote. And they take that as a sign, well, I can do whatever I want. Consequences be damned. Who, who's going to take Doug Ford to task? Because we have to deal with this for the next four years. That's the, the, the rest of us have to appeal, abide by the law, right? So he's, he's there for the next four years. That's what we got. We got what we paid for, folks. But that doesn't mean we have to like it. And I just question, like, what, are, are we going to do this for the next four years where... He, he comes up and he comes up with some policy and some plan that nobody asked for, nobody's on board with. There's no, there's no groundswell of support and he can't defend it and he can't present the argument to build that support for us. And we're stuck with, well, let's, let's look at, you know, what, what, what polling numbers say what, and it's, it's, oh, it's just exhausting. And it, it's like, you know, we're doing, I'm not claiming that we're rivaling the Toronto Star by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not so arrogant. Um, but we're trying to, if we're trying to convey anything, we're trying to convey the degree of outrage we all should be feeling about this. Mm-hmm. This is not business as usual. When, when fundamental democratic institutions are just trampled on 
with contempt and 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 without even the the pretending to go through the normal sort of channels of, of consultation we should be outraged should be outraged and we're not getting that from the traditional media there's no sense of outrage it's like oh hey, the, the dog force do now and there's some good articles like martin reg cohen has uh, has, you know, has an article last week doug ford has abandoned the people to put politicians first which is the whole thing about you know getting rid of the 50 percent idea of democracy um so there, there is stuff but 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 not enough given the scale of what's happening and, and uh, you know the you know the Toronto Star the, the the Globe and Mail the rest of them they they're receiving millions and millions of dollars from the federal government because you know we need to have a strong media and they're failing to be a strong media uh, to hold uh, you know just as the opposition parties have completely and abjectly failed to hold this government to account. Uh, you know, and they're ramming all this stuff through while, you know, basically there's no councillors on the job because of the election. There's no leader of the either of the opposition parties. Um, you know, <laughs> everything is failing us at, at this key moment. You know, and they're not going to, you know, in two years' time, they're not going to be doing stuff like this anymore. They'll be rolling out their tax cuts or whatever. And, and sure, that's the way that every government operates. Um, you know, you get your unpopular stuff out of the way first. Um, but we need to be doing a better job of of, of holding holding them to account. And, and you know, it's Hamilton Catch who pointed out that you know the AMO has basically been uninvited from even taking part at a, in a committee stage discussion of, of legislation. Uh, not the Toronto Star, not the Hamilton Spectator, but Hamilton Catch, which is like a, you know a volunteer, a really good by the way, but a, a volunteer. Uh, based uh, organization that 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 uh, is meant to look uh, keep an eye on city hall in hamilton we deserve um, better folks that's the point that we're trying to make is that this is you know we're we're, we're going to do our best on on the podcast to hold hold them to account as we see it and it's all we can do i guess at this point but i i, I don't think this is the last that we're going to see this isn't the the end of uh notwithstanding clause shenanigan level shenanigans from this government clearly if they're willing to do it once they're going to find a way to do it again it's too tempting for them not to not to do um i don't know on what but it's something it's going to be something that we're all going to sit there and just stew in our uh, you know yeah just just it's un, it's it, it's an astounding state of affairs that we're in right now folks uh, that's all i can say I'm going to call it a night on that one. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, just, just, it's, un, it's, it's, it's an astounding state of affairs that we're in right now, folks. Uh, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to call it a night on that one. Um, that's it for this episode of we'll 905 Week. Thank you for um, listening. Take As everyone. always, you can send Bye-bye. us your feedback, Bye. thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email info at 905er.ca we'd love to hear from you you can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through patreon as well as paypal visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab as well links are in the show notes for your convenience lastly you can find us on social media search for the underscore 905er on facebook twitter instagram and linkedin so long for now see you next time Thank you.
Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.